Hi everyone, welcome back to Where Credits Do. This is your host, Yulia Chutina, senior reporter at Tearsheet. I'm happy to say that after two long years of COVID, we're finally out of Zoom and into the real world. We are holding Tearsheet's Power of Payments conference on September 15th at the current Chelsea Piers in New York City. We will bring together the top professionals and brands in the payment space to discuss the challenges and opportunities presented by an undeniable need to stay ahead of the curve of a rapidly changing landscape. So if you want to be among those few special decision makers, head over to apply for tickets on our website, and I'll also provide you with the link in the podcast episode description. And speaking of today's episode, we're going to talk about how banks are looking to serve the small and medium-sized business sector in a digital economy. Today, fintechs like Square and PayPal really dominate this market because they've been better able to find solutions that work for the middle market sector. This competition is incentivizing banks to digitize and upgrade their commercial and small business infrastructure, and various companies are coming in with software products to help them bridge this gap. So listen in for a conversation on how banks can effectively compete in the SMB sector currently and the role of digitization in this whole equation. Joining me today are Paul Margaritis, head of U.S. commercial digital platforms at TD Bank, and Kirk Coleman, chief banking officer at Q2. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. It's super exciting to have you on Where Credits Do. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, serving the small and medium-sized business sector. And um, we all know that this sector has historically been a difficult one to underwrite and bank. Traditionally, commercial banks offered a one-size-fits-all solution to their business customers, but this has started to change. And Kirk, actually, if you'd like to start first, what do you think is different this time, and what are the challenges that still remain? Yeah, as you mentioned, the SMB sector is a really wide and varied uh, segment of the banking industry, and so uh, there is no kind of just one approach. Uh, which actually makes it really interesting. And it's also a reason why you have banks of all sizes competing for that business. Um, I think to be successful in the SMB segment, you've got to be able to be very close to the customer in terms of, you know, what is it that they need most? Uh, in some cases, you have really pretty small businesses that are maybe are great at what they do, but not super sophisticated in terms of their financial and operations uh, needs. Uh, and then on the higher end, you know, the mid-sized businesses that are, you know, maybe have a, someone more professionally running their financials and, and uh, some other operations and things like that. So it's this huge spectrum, but it's a great opportunity. And I think that's why we see a lot of investment in this area, both in banks and non-banks. And so as we think about uh, what's different this time around, uh, I think, you know, certainly the pandemic has accelerated a lot of the digitization of what banks previously considered harder processes to, to truly digitize. We've seen acceleration there. Um, but the same is true for the small and medium-sized businesses themselves. You know, they're, they're also going through this sort of digital transformation for themselves. And so we're all going through this together. I think it's a wonderful time uh, to bring new services and solutions to that segment. Awesome. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Kirk. Um, you know, he, he made some really great points. I think from a small business perspective, there's, you know, it's such a great space and interesting space. And I think the key really we've seen in the last, particularly in the last few years is as a bank, you have to 
be able to go to where that business is. Um, and that means, you know, meeting all those specific needs, whether it's through a digital channel, digital interactions, and, and quite frankly, it can often mean in person too, and having the presence to really guide them. Um, those relationships in that advisory piece, when it comes to your banking relationship, is just so much more critical from a small business perspective um, than some of the larger businesses that don't necessarily have the bigger teams and the expertise. Um, so being able to meet those clients in the channel in which they want to meet you is how you know financial institutions really can bring success to those clients. And you know, I'll say, you know, how you know how are banks or how are we able to kind of meet those needs? You know, I think you know to the point of the pandemic, you know turning up the dial and digitization is absolutely true. But I think there was also kind of a lesson learned in the financial industry, you know, when it comes to, to adaptability, that's kind of been a big thing to be able to meet small businesses needs. Well, we learned as an industry ourselves during the pandemic that, Hey, we can adapt we can adapt quick. I mean, if you look at the PPP program across the board, I mean, banks, including ourselves, I mean, we, we, we kind of tackled that and, in days, not weeks or years or months. It's, it's, we tackled it in days and we got, you know, the financing out to those businesses in need. So we realized in an industry, Hey, we can change and we can change quick for our clients. And, you know, we've taken those lessons to heart. That's, that's great. Um, Actually, I want to delve a little bit into each of your approaches into the sector and how you're thinking about innovation and, digitalization of the commercial banking um, sector. So Paul, TD Bank is looking into bringing consumer style innovations to its commercial customers, and you're doing so by expanding into embedded finance, uh, you know, creating such experiences for your commercial banking customers. So how do you see a bank, embedded banking benefiting uh, small and medium-sized businesses? And do you think this is a way banks can effectively compete in the SMB sector currently? Yeah, I think I think not only do I think that they can use this to compete, I think banks such as ourselves need embedded banking to compete. Um, you know, again, a small business, they're trying to do everything. They don't have those teams. So time uh, is of the essence. So, you know, getting things done quickly is absolutely necessary for the survival of a small business, particularly from their banking relationship. And the way they do that is through integration and embedding the banking, um, the banking capabilities when the context matters. And so what that means is if I'm a small business, if I'm in my accounting system and I'm trying to manage my bills, I'm trying to manage my receivables and my reporting, I don't have time to do you know, one by one payments or one by one pieces of information and piecemeal together reports. I need my bank to come to me. And what that means is I need the bank to come to my systems bring all the data and the context I need from the banking relationship into those systems so that I can quickly get the, the, the financing piece done from my business perspective and can move on to what I really should be doing, which is scaling my business, working with my teams, growing my business, working with suppliers, et cetera, um, to really, again, to grow your small business into, into one of those medium or large businesses. That's great. Um, Kirk, at Q2, you guys also offer some solutions for banks in this segment. So how are you thinking about um, digitalization in this space? Yeah, so, you know, we, we try to look at it through the banker's eyes, which is, you know, what, what is it you're doing with these customers, right? And it's win, onboard, serve, and grow. And if you sort of think about a bank and the investments that they've made across the technologies and capabilities across those four categories, 
right? It's, it's this big menagerie of technologies that's been implemented into that space. And some are very forward leaning in some part of that journey and, and less so in, in others. And so uh, for us, we have we kind of package our solutions under a, the banner of Q2 Catalyst. And that's kind of our way of coming to markets or saying, look, we, as a digital banking provider, we need to be able to meet you where you are, right? In terms of, you know, what is currently your highest priority? Where are you going? What's, what's that roadmap look like? You know, we'll be investing alongside our, uh, our the financial institutions and fintechs that we serve. And so uh, everyone will have a slightly different journey in terms of where their maturity of their capabilities is. And at the same time, every institution, uh, as much as, as, uh, as the general public might think of all banks as being the same, the, true, the truth is, is that each bank has its own strategy, its own personality, and its own way of serving the community uh, that they're in, uh, whether that's in a single geography or across many geographies. And so we have to be able to bring solutions to those institutions so that they can deliver that sort of customized digital experience in a way that's very specific to how they see serving the needs of their community the best. And so, uh, again, we do that through a variety of different products and solutions, but to help our customers sort of understand that bigger picture, right, we have this sort of catalyst framework for, for how we think about that. And we think that, um, you know, if you go back even just five years ago, certainly 10 years ago, um, the types of technologies that might have been available to a community bank or even a mid-sized bank uh, have been greatly advanced over the last five years in particular. And so it makes them very competitive in their own space, where even just a few years ago, they might have been really worried about like, is, you know, the big banks going to steal all of, our, all of our business. And big banks, uh, right, when they get things right, they get it right in a very big way. Uh, and uh, I think that's really important uh, in terms of driving, you know, it's kind of like the heart of American capitalism is this, you know, great variety of banks that we have in the U.S. Um, so we've got to, into that picture, right, we've got to have a very kind of uh, agile way of, of addressing those needs for all of these different institutions. Wonderful. Um, some studies show that commercial banking is the primary growth opportunity for banks in the United States. Um, and as this shift towards the digital continues to accelerate, what are the um, financing solutions and digital experiences that businesses need but are currently unaddressed by their financial services providers? Uh, well, I could I could take that first, and I'm sure Paul wants to chime in here too. Um, you know, I, I think there's uh, again, it's this is where we have to put the humans back in the middle of digital. Is kind of what Paul was uh, uh, alluding to earlier, uh, because whether it's a commercial institution or a mid-sized business, small business, right? You, you're rightly point out these are areas of massive growth. I think for financial institutions. I believe banks ought to really be able to win in a very big way this, in these segments. Um, but it's not a one size fits all. And so you have to have the technology that's flexible, but you also have to have humans avail, you know, involved at the right points in the relationship. And sometimes you can't always design that in, right? You kind of have, an, a, you suspect when a, when a customer might need that human touch, but you don't always know exactly when. So you have to have, these processes and technologies that are flexible, again, to meet those customers wherever they are. Uh, so what we don't want to see is sort of a very homogenous sort of underwriting and credit, right? That sort of 
you know, scrapes out all of that variability and, and all of these businesses that kind of really need a more personalized touch. Uh, we want technology that kind of flexes uh, with them. Same's true on the deposit side, right? You know, not everyone's operating account needs to be exactly the same. And they have different needs in terms of what their payment requirements are, you know, what they're, how they're managing their accounts receivable. Uh, just, uh, you know, are they, how, how are they expanding? Is it a single store or is it a multi-geography business? These types of things. So, you know, it's our responsibility to, as, uh, as providers to those customers to bring, to bring that to life. You know, I think this is um, a really good question, a really good question. You know, we have this conversation here at TD often and it, and, you know, it's, a, it's a kind of exactly what Kirk is saying in terms of the balance between like the digital and the, and the human right? Because there's different approaches across the industry. And sometimes you see straight through digital and sometimes you see straight through human. And if you go straight through human, you get the personalization, but you don't necessarily get the scale. If you go straight digital, it's the opposite problem. And, you know, I, I really think, and one of the things we're working on here, and it's, it's, it's connected to the embedded finance piece is, is kind of the context of the customer relationship and being able from a customer perspective to share their information at the, at the flip of a switch to their banker, to their, to their, you know, to their bank, um, to be able to link into the automated tools around pricing, for instance, or underwriting um, from a banking perspective. So that when you get the, that information from the client, it's, it's generating thoughts, it's generating solutions for the client in hours or days and not again, weeks. And then it's not necessarily, it, it, the first step is kind of getting that information to the banker and to saying like, you know what, I know this client. I know this client well. I talk to this client all the time. This, what came up in the automated process, maybe it does not make sense because you know that client, what that client's going through and what we generated actually doesn't make sense because of the context of the relationship. Or maybe it does. And maybe it is the insight they needed to provide a financing solution to a small business before they knew they needed a small a financing solution or the, you know more information or more detail from a banking perspective. Maybe they need to open up a new account uh, because there's an untapped market, but you know, at the core, it's it's getting that integration. It is that digitization so that you can get the data from the client when the client wants us to have it, and then using the human element from those results and being able to deliver the right solutions to those clients to help them grow again, grow their business. And um, at TD Bank, does this happen in house, or I'm wondering here about the tools and capabilities that um, a bank can have in house, but can also find through external vendors. So how do you think about this, this process? Yeah, we're actually looking at both and there's different pieces of the end-to-end -end process where it makes sense to kind of pull in vendors versus build and in, in, in partner, right? So we've got multiple options we're looking at from a from a integrating and grabbing data availability from clients that wanna provide their data to the bank, right? In fact, we're actually considering kind of both rails to build it ourselves and you know through partnerships, et cetera. Um, then there's the kind of in-house models that the, the bank's going to use around, you know, let's let's get that data and, and develop what we're going to kind of offer. And then there's solutions such as, you know, you know, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Kirk over here on the on the precision lending side that you can integrate with um, so that you can go on the pricing side and, and be able to deliver, you know, really quick kind of here's what's coming, you know, coming back. Here's what I'm coming back with interest rates, et cetera, that, that would make sense for those client packages for those, those bankers to deliver. So it's really about kind of taking a look at the end-to-end -end process and saying, you know, I'm not going to just say vendor for the whole thing, no vendor for the whole thing, partner. I need to pick the spots where I want to play 
I need to pick the spots where I don't, and I could use a partner or a vendor because I, that's just from a banking perspective, it may not make sense for us to build everything. Um, and it, you know, quite honestly, a good kind of innovation team and a good digital transformation team is going to break that up and help make those decisions. Awesome. Kirk, how do you think about that relationship and what can uh, vendors such as Q2 uh, bring towards uh, the space? You know, this really, what Paul was describing really resonates with me, right? The, this, the, the, the very best instant financial institutions are going to provide solutions that are kind of a combination of things. It's going to, they're going to put that puzzle together in a very specific way for themselves. And, uh, and so that's kind of how we approach it, right? We know that that's the environment into which we're going, right? And so we need to be great at understanding that environment. We think our mission aligns very well with, with our, our customers, uh, which is super important, right? Because if you don't have alignment on why you're doing what you're doing in the first place, then uh, it's really hard to come up with the best solution, not just for the bank, right? But for that end customer, that business or that individual that needs that product or service. Um, the other part is, of course, is that we have to be great at all the like integrations and, 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 you know, Paul was talking about data, right? The most frustrating thing for a customer is to have to provide the same data for multiple processes, right? Be asked the same question multiple times, right? So how do we serve the, our, the institutions we do business with in that very specific way? Um, and then really working together kind of on this long innovation arc. Right. I mean, there's lots of short cycle innovations that are going on. I think it's really super exciting. Paul's talking about some of the triple P and, you know, some of the innovation that happened felt like overnight to be able to get uh, that triple P program uh, put in place at, you know, hundreds or thousands of institutions. Um, but there's this much longer arc as well. Right. In terms of where the industry is going. And I think that this is where uh, providers uh, like Q2 and banks like TD, right? We'll continue to partner on, hey, what what are we going to do best, right? What's our special sauce, the special skills that we have, right? And what's the what's what's the bank gonna be providing? Where are they going, right? And so together we'll kind of go to the space. And that that sounds altruistic, then I'm okay with that because I think that's you know, look, we're all stewards of the communities that we serve, and uh, so we need to be working together that way. Yeah, I, I honestly, I just want to echo that from from Kirk in terms of that that kind of that longer horizon. And yes, the, the the stewards of the community piece as well, which I think is absolutely critical. But you know, not you know, not all di like digital transformation is going to happen overnight. And that, quite honestly, it's why you know we all need to be speaking now about what are the seeds we need to plant for that five year horizon. And when I say we, I mean you know the big capital. W on the we. I mean, you know, us and, and our small business clients, us and our middle-sized and, and large business clients, us and our vendors and partners, like we all need to be talking about, you know, what makes sense, what sh we should be investing now that's going to come to fruition in three to five to seven years um, that will help, you know, the underlying core, the underlying steward of the community piece that Kirk mentioned is, is really those, those clients are able to grow their businesses and serve their communities. Yeah, definitely. And it's really great that we're all asking these questions and, you know, trying to think about new ways to uh, address the challenges in this sector. Um, and I'm wondering here also data, because we did touch upon data, and there's a lot of new ideas coming into the space over what data we can consider uh, for uh, the small and medium-sized business sector to understand its financial uh, behavior and uh, help 
the sector through solutions. So what's, um, can you describe a little bit, maybe the, some new underwriting technologies or methodologies and how, if you're thinking about um, maybe different other variables that you weren't considering perhaps uh, just a few years ago? You know, I think in terms of new technologies, it's, 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 I wouldn't even say it's necessarily new technologies, but the integration into the data sources in terms of real-time data, that's what's driving the innovation in that piece. So, you know, it's, it's, there's nothing unique about the data sources, at least from a core underwriting perspective that, that the industry is grabbing. It's, it's a company's financials, right? And it could be their business financials. It could be their, their tax statements, et cetera. But, you know, what, what's changed is the fact that those are available in real time. And in some cases, those are available at demand, right? And that's that's what's driving, you know, some of the innovation because you can take a look at those financials. You can have a sense, you know, you can layer in some machine learning. You can have a sense of where, where a business is going. So I could start, you know, in theory, you could start the underwriting before um, or at least the kind of the pricing and packaging before um, a client's even asked for it. And that's kind of the difference maker is that you're getting ahead of the business needs versus you're you're kind of reacting to the business needs. And I think that's the big thing that could that is starting to change in the industry. You know, the other thing I, I will say, and, and you know, it's it's and this piece I think you know hasn't yet quite resonated across the industry, but I think it's going to be one of those you know five years and beyond kind of piece is layering in um, additional alternative data sources. Um, that could be layered in terms on top of that kind of financial data for the for, for underwriting, you know, things like geolocation and things like that, that could, you know, other kind of available public data that could kind of layer in additional context and actually change what you would be a traditional underwriting process. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just uh, add a few things that to complement what Paul was saying, the, uh, you know, when a financial institution makes an underwriting decision, right? Uh, if you get to a, a quick yes, right, then, you know, you set up, you, you fund the loan or the line of credit and you kind of keep moving, right? And everyone's kind of happy, right? The trickier part is when you have to say no, or maybe not, or what about this, right? And so I think in terms of, you know, we have, banks have a responsibility to be able to say, if we, you know, hey, if we turned you down, maybe this is why, right? But I think the best scenario here is like this coaching relationship. Now we're back to human in the middle of digital, but it's this human relationship that sort of says, hey, here's all the data we have available about you, right? Maybe in the future, that'll include even more sort of non-traditional data sources, but, you know, the core of it's going to be financials, right? Financial performance and things like that. And dear customer, we can plot out sort of a, a journey for you in terms of the growth that you're going to go through, right? Your own role in playing, you know, being financially responsible and managing your own finances. And we're going to give you coaching tools, right? And products and services that kind of meet you along that journey, right? And so, so this is what, you know, good banks have been trying to do for, for since they were founded, right? Which is, uh, hey, you're a customer for life. And I want to take you through all of these different phases of your growth in your life. But so we need to be we need to be doing that at scale. We need to be doing that at, for everybody. And so you know, if you're a, a newer or struggling business, or or maybe you just have you know kind of complex credit needs, you know, we need to be able to sort of say, okay, you, maybe you can't. We can't do it exactly like this, but we can. We maybe have we thought about doing it like this. Maybe we structure it a different way. We're going to price it a different way. There's a lot of different things that you can bring into the picture, right? As opposed to a cookie cutter, yes or no. 
And so I think that's really important. And our, the end customer will benefit from that because they'll understand, okay, if I, right, I, I can now have a, be- I have a better framework for how I think about the types of products or credit that I might need in the future. I, I have a better idea of how others assess risk with regard to my business and my financials. And so I can grow into that, right? And I feel, I now I feel more empowered with that. Uh, used to take like a human being sitting down and spending time and describing that. And that will still be true and important and, uh, and frequent. But I think now we have a lot of digital tools that are really going to help us kind of bridge this divide between, um, you know, what the banks are, how are making are making decisions and what the customers need to understand about that. Yeah, there's definitely been um, a lot of evolution in the space. And actually, I do want to touch upon, fin- you know, with fintechs bringing more and more innovation into um, like financial technology, essentially. And this includes new methodologies to gather insights from data, as you mentioned. Um, how can banks stay on top of all of these developments? Even for myself as a journalist, I'm like trying to play catch up with, uh, you know, all these new companies and fintechs coming out and offering all kinds of solutions. And a lot of them are targeting the SMB uh, segment. So how are you guys uh, kind of, uh, you know, um, trying to stay on top of the space? Certainly not easy. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, you're right. There's a lot, you know, we, um, you know, we do all the traditional things too. We, uh, you know, we, we read the news, we check out who's gotten investments. Um, we're continually, my team is talking to fintechs all the time, talking to new and emerging fintechs in space. Um, you know, quite frankly, I stay close to a lot of colleagues in my network across financial services that go to new fintechs, start new fintechs. Um, we also get ingrained in terms of the VC community as well to see who's investing where and, and why they invested in who. You know, I wish I wish there was some secret kind of sauce to being aware on everything that was going on in the fintech space. Obviously, Tearsheet is a great source. I'll, I'll call you out too um, of information on the space. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy and it, it takes a lot of time. And, you know, oftentimes too, though, you know, I'll talk to businesses of all sizes that will look to us to say what's going on in this space. Like I talked, I talked to a fintech to do something very specific. Do you know them? Is a you know question I get all the time. Um, so you know, it's just about you know paying attention to the news, having a lot of conversations, understanding what they're doing. Um, and you know, I, I, if there is a secret sauce, the, the, I, I'll say the secret sauce is uh, bringing my technology teams to those meetings with fintechs, uh, because they're the ones who can educate me on what's actually going on behind the scenes. So I'll say, uh, I will say that is the one secret sauce that I think is is really kind of helpful from from someone in the bank trying to understand what's going on in the space. That's yeah, really noisy marketplace. Right, uh, you know, all all kinds of companies coming from all kinds of directions, developing all kinds of solutions. You know, what's hype and what's real? Uh, it's just really noisy. I think um, just it's really important for particularly the financial institutions, right, the banks and the credit unions, to really kind of understand their strategy. You know, let's start kind of with the basics, right? What is your strategy? What is it? Who's what market are you serving? Right? Who are the customers in that market? What, what, how are you going to play? And because if you can't answer those questions, right, then it's really hard to filter out sort of the new, the noise and find the signal in the middle of the noise. 
And so you end up sort of paying attention to everything as opposed to sort of saying, here's kind of the filter I'm using to assess what the nearby opportunities might be, how I might partner with fintechs, what I need to know about, you know, my, my SWAT, right, against that, right? Where, where are the threats uh, that are kind of looming out there to my business? So I think it starts there. Um, as Paul was mentioning, I think there's sort of this other filter also, which is what are, what are fintechs doing in nearby spaces? And it doesn't have to be a fintech, it could be another kind of technology company that I can borrow, right? They're using a concept or framework for thinking about something that I can kind of borrow and apply to my own business in a different way, right? So that's, you know, that's a, that's a different kind of filter, but you have to have really skilled and expert people to be able to do that. And then this ability to be able to kind of network across the, the industry, uh, that sounds very old fashioned, but it's so true, right? You know, who are your trusted sources, whether that's Lulia, right? And, and Tiershi or, right, your colleagues from a, a previous company that you're at, or maybe it's an innovator of some sort that you really trust, right? You have to have your, that kind of networking is just so valuable and you never stop working on that, right? Because you're always, uh, applying new filters to what it is that you're trying to learn. So it's a really super exciting time, right? Because if you're curious, boy, there's like so much you can learn. But I think we all have to be able to uh, kind of narrow our focus at the right times so that we get the best out of uh, all of these uh, different points of innovation or, or knowledge. Uh, awesome. Kirk, you've uh, essentially defined my journey since I started Tearsheet because that's exactly, I just fell into this avalanche of uh, companies and information and technologies and everything just seemed to change every every month. So I'm like, wow, so great time to be a fintech journalist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks everyone. We're uh, closing, approaching on time here. So this was really fun uh, and um, insightful conversation. So thank you for joining me. And um, yeah, I hope to see you guys both soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. This was Paul Margarides, head of U.S. commercial digital platforms at TD Bank and Kirk Coleman, chief banking officer at Q2. To read the transcript of our conversation, head over to tearsheet.co. And make sure you subscribe to Where Credits Do wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll be out with a new episode every two weeks, bringing you conversations with industry leaders on the ever-changing lending landscape. And if you're interested in more content, you can subscribe to our lending newsletter and briefing in your inbox every other week. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the next one.